we're going to start the call now. Uh, good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you're sitting. Uh, my name is Chris McKeffley. I'm with BX Partners uh, here today to talk with Darren Munn, the CIO of Camelot Portfolios, about one of their strategies. Just very briefly, what we do is, <clears throat> amongst other things, we, we scour the world of emerging and boutique investment managers because we believe that emerging and boutique investment managers can frankly create a lot of value and help advisors create a lot of differentiation. You know, we kind of help separate the wheat from the chaff, find some really good ones, and sometimes we partner with them and help them kind of get out the word about what they're doing. So as I mentioned, Darren's on the call with us today to talk about their premium uh, municipal strategy. Darren's been in the business for over 20 years. He's been running Camelot portfolios for 12 or so years since he founded it as the chief investment officer. The strategy we're going to talk about today, I think, really um, checks a number of boxes because a lot of clients are frustrated by the lack of ability to get a decent amount of income, particularly in the municipal market right now. <clears throat> and also, they want strategies that can, you know, get approved to deliver good total returns over time. So in a really uncomplicated story, here's a great little strategy that has for this marketplace, a very attractive yield. Um, as of March 31st, it was 440 on the portfolio and has extremely attractive long-term returns uh, of about 200 basis points over the muni benchmark over the 11-year life of the strategy. So, you know, it really kind of clicks both boxes that you want to see checked. And uh, I wanted to get Darren on to share with you kind of, you know, what's up with the portfolio how it works, what he sees going on in the mini market, and what the opportunities might be. So without further ado, Darren. All right. Thank you, Chris. Um, normally, you know, I would not, um, you know, say I'm a, a fan of municipal bonds. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. You know, I'm a fairly young guy. You know, I, I like to get better returns. Um, and so normally munis don't excite me. But if I were to you know, say, you know, identify one of a few places that have some, I think, some very attractive opportunities right now. I think municipal bonds, and especially our our premium municipal strategy, have a, a, a very exceptional opportunity as a result of what's happened over the last few months with, with COVID. Um, our strategy, as Chris mentioned, we've been running it for over 10 years. We, we have a phenomenal track record. Um, and I think most of you, you know, have the slides that, that Chris had emailed out before, but um, I'm going to start to run through those and, and um, fairly quickly. But on, on slide two, we talk about our investment objectives. And like most muni strategies, yes, we're, we want to generate a consistent stream of income that's also tax efficient. So, you know, federal tax-free, um, consistent, you know, we, we certainly want to grow it over time. Um, it's definitely becoming more of a challenge in light of the of the declining interest rates, but um, we're, we're in a scenario right now where the opportunity in munis is, is very attractive, as the spreads are are, are wider relative to to treasury. In fact, in, in a lot of cases, you're getting better yields in munis than you are in in treasuries or or, or even uh, corporate debt. So, but the other component of our investment objective that most muni strategies don't really have or don't really um, have the ability to do much to achieve is total return. So our hope is not just get that that nice, consistent tax-free income, but we also want to tack on you know an extra hundred or two hundred basis points if we can uh, of total return because that hey, 
if if you can get that, that's just the the um, you know the cherry on top, right? That's that's just extra that that your clients get in their pocket. That means you know your asset levels grow. That means the clients are happy, and and it's a win 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 all the way around. Um, but uh, how do we do that? You know, there, there there's um, you know there's not near as many opportunities or, or, or options in the in the muni space as there are in, in, in non-muni debt, but there's still good opportunity. So when we look at our strategy on, on slide three, it's a very opportunistic strategy. Our um, philosophy is, hey, we're going to look at, at, at the, the investment or the, the, at the municipal market, and we're going to identify where can we you know, find things that, that will help us achieve both that consistent income and uh, add the potential for total return. So we're opportunistic. Most of the time, we're going to hang out in in mutual funds or ETFs. You know, when when if, if we don't see a tremendous opportunity, we're going to gravitate towards you know the, uh, mutual funds and ETFs that that have a great track record, that have good managers, or, or that are low cost. Um, and and we're going to wait for opportunities like what we've just experienced. Uh, or like what we experienced at the you know in the fourth quarter of 2018 to to you know to move into closed end funds and so you know for the most part closed end funds is where we um, can pick up the more of that um, extra total return uh, when we're able to go in and buy those funds at wide discounts and and ride them back um, back towards par. Uh, and so now is one of those opportunities where we kind of have a, um, a, a a double bonus opportunity because you know munis as a whole are, are 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 discounted, but then you know inside of closed you know the closed end funds themselves are discounted. So you're kind of getting a double discount um, based on where things are in the market right now. Um, the other advantage of closed end funds that um, I, I think a lot of times people don't realize is you know, in, in in an open end fund, as a manager, you're subject to you know redemptions in, in a in a crazy market like what we've experienced. All of a sudden, people people are redeeming, and you're forced to sell positions that you don't want to sell because you have to meet the redemptions. The beauty of being in a closed end fund is you know these managers don't have to sell. They you know they're able to to hang onto their positions and even take advantage of the forced selling. That's going on in the rest of the marketplace, and so um, you know, we, we you know, if we look at the closed end fund space, and, and in a lot of situations, the closed end fund managers are able to to do even better than their open fun, open uh, open uh, fund peers because they don't have that that um, uh, forced liquidation scenario. Um, uh, as Chris mentioned, we have a very strong track record. We've outperformed our benchmark in eight of the last nine calendar years. So between 2011 and 2019, we've outperformed uh, in, in eight out of nine of those years. Um, and I think you, know, you, you may also all have the, the fact sheets. Um, if you pull up our, our December 31st fact sheet, uh, I put that there so you, and, and you can see um, the, the, the returns, the calendar year returns in there. Uh, on a gross basis, um, and we also put, you know, per compliance, um, we're, we're required to put our net returns, and that's net of the maximum possible fee that someone could have. Um, it's, it's not realistic because nobody's paying that. 
um, to the best of my knowledge, but um, that also you know that also incorporates any advisor fee that that might be tacked on there. So, you know, I think our gross numbers are, are the most accurate reflection of, of of what what we've been able to do. Um, you can see we've outperformed um, in eight of, eight of nine years. Um, our our cumulative return over that period of time, if we look at the last ten years, uh, was 6.04 percent on a gross basis um, versus our benchmark of 4.34. Um, and uh, as, as Chris mentioned, we have a very strong yield. I think you also have the, the March 31st fact sheet, which is our, our most current fact sheet, um, where you can see the, the, the yield as of March 31st was 4.44. Um, the, the, the reason I highlighted the 1231 is you can see uh, we're having an issue with our fact sheets, and I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it with compliance where um, um, they were they wanted us to put the net returns and the risk statistics, so the 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 numbers there are, are not reflective of, of what we've actually been able to accomplish. And so that that's the difference when you look at the 1231 versus the 331 fact sheet. Is um, we uh, for that quarter we we had to flip over to the the net return. I'm hoping to get that corrected for next quarter. Um, but again, you can still see the the gross numbers up above and, and see that. Uh, our track record is, is, is extremely solid. Um, so, what does the Muni outlook look uh, at this point? You know, we, we've we've come through a period of time where, um, you know, Muni's got hit just like equities, and and um, in in a lot of cases we saw 20 to 30 percent pullbacks in in certain uh, parts of the Muni market, or especially when you look at some of the closed end funds. Um, yes, we've seen a bounce back and a recovery, but where does that leave us? There's there's several tailwinds still um, as, as a result of the recovering economy. So we, we you know the, the first tailwind is hey the economy is recovering. We've probably seen the bottom when it comes to economic activity. You know and we're we're probably now growing again as an economy. It's going to take a while to get back to you know the the previous economic highs, but the economy is is recovering. Um, credit markets are improving. You know, in, in the depths of the market pullback in March, you know, we saw a freeze in the credit markets. Um, you know, the Fed has stepped in to help, uh, you know, um, thaw out the credit markets, and we're seeing improvement. There, there's still more room to go there, and that's part of what creates the opportunity is, you know, you know the, the credit markets aren't fully healed yet, and, and we can ride that wave. We can, um, you know, that's what provides some additional upside potential. Um, and then, you know, we've got the Fed fire hoses. I mean, the Fed has numerous liquidity facilities uh, you know, in process right now. They're, they're pumping lots of money uh, into uh, especially the credit markets, you know, which, which is, you know, kind of you know, raising the tide all the way around. They just recently launched the municipal liquidity facility. You know, this is one thing that they, you know, they had announced you know, several weeks ago, but it was, you know, didn't launch until just recently, and and this is really designed to help municipalities, um, you know, um, uh, have some uh, financial support as a result of their reduced revenues um, due to the um, the shutdowns, and so it's really going to help uh, prop up the the overall muni market to to shore up the the finances of of the municipal uh, government entities. There's also some headwinds. I mean, there, 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 there's no, um, you know, you know, free return here. There, there are headwinds. There are risks that 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 um, this market is facing. 
especially when we look further down the road. Uh, you know, when, when I look 10 years down the road, you know, or, or 20 years down the road, you know, we're going to have to be concerned at some point about the, the Fed balance sheet. You know, it's, it's gone from $3.7 trillion last summer to over $7 trillion now, so almost a doubling uh, in, in the last nine months. Um, the federal debt has ballooned. You know, th- these are really pulling forward future growth. And so what it, what it implies is future growth is going to be less than what it otherwise would have been because we've, we've pulled it into the present um, and, and now the past. Um, we also still have – there's su- significant economic damage uh, and, and thus lower tax revenue um, as a result of the, the COVID shutdowns and, you know, now with the renewed fears of, of further shutdowns, you know, that those headwinds still exist. Um, but I think those also uh, create the opportunity. If you look on slide eight, you can see that for high-yield municipals, um, you know, the spreads over, um, over uh, the, their benchmark or over the, the AAA are um, still very wide. We haven't seen a lot of healing in that area yet. And so uh, whereas the, the high, the, the investment-rated munis, you know, those spreads have, have narrowed and are, and are getting very close to where they were, you know, pre-March. Um, um, what we haven't seen is those high-yield high spreads come down as much. And I think that's really leaving a tremendous opportunity um, with, you know, to, to capitalize on. And, and that's one of the areas that we're finding very attractive. But even in the investment-grade space, you can see that the spreads are still, um, call it 50 basis points wider than they were, you know, back in February, and um, uh, so, you know, there's there's probably still some room to go there. Um, so wh- why are we not real concerned about those wide spreads? I think, you know, that's an area that, that's creating opportunity. Um, you know, if I were to um, ask you, you know, does anyone know what the 10-year cumulative default rate of muni- municipal bonds um, since 1970 um, you know, I don't know that you have the ability to answer, so I'm going to answer it for you. The, the, the default rate is 0.1%. So one-tenth of 1% one is the, you know, the 10-year cumulative rolling default rate um, uh, since 1970. Why is it so low? How can it be so low to be just one-tenth of 1% one of municipal bond defaults? Um, and, and there's really five reasons that uh, Alliance Bernstein actually just put out a piece uh, and Seeking Alpha that, that, that um, kind of highlighted these reasons. Uh, and I'll summarize real quickly. You know, muni, muni issuers can raise taxes and fees. You know, pretty much you know, any, any entity that's, that, that um, is issuing municipal bonds, they have the ability to raise taxes and fees, which helps provide a, a diverse, steady, and reliable cash flow. You know, that's their tax base, so that's, that's number two. Um, the, the third reason is, is they have reserve funds. If, if we look at the the financials of municipalities, they entered 2020 with reserves nearly twice the level of what they were in 2008. So even though we had a, a brutal recession here uh, this year, um, and, and even though there, there's still, you know, there's certainly damage, that, you know, they, the reserves, the cash levels were, were significantly high. The, the beauty of municipalities versus corporations, you know, corporations get frowned on when they build huge cash reserves, right? Shareholders demand that the cash be used for, you know, dividends or, or buybacks or, or, you know, acquisitions or things like that. But municipalities, it's the other way around. 
you know they they you know people like it when municipalities build cash levels and and they've definitely done so over the last decade um municipal debt uh, number 4 is is often amortized in fact most of the time municipal debt is amortized and so it's not like a corporate bond where you know all of a sudden they've got to meet this maturity you know typically municipalities are paying down debt over the life of that note um and and so you know there's not these you know um you know big payoffs that have to come where they don't have to refinance the debt um you know every 5 years like a lot of corporate debt is done um and then lastly you know most muni debt is tied to essential services you know these are things um that you know the their constituents their residents have to use you know day in and day out um and and you know oftentimes the bonds are even tied specifically to that revenue so when you think of things like hospitals and toll roads and airports and um you know electricity and water and and waste treatment things like that um you know those are things that they can't afford to do without and so um you know they're going to do whatever they can to make sure they don't default on that debt and so um it really has presented a great opportunity at you know and then the double opportunity as we've seen you know the discounts on closed end funds widen back out um in many cases we, you know we're we're finding uh double digit discounts um the last time we saw this was in in the fourth quarter of 2018 we were able to pick up uh a number of closed end funds at at double digit discounts back then um and and ride them uh back up um and now we're seeing that opportunity again where um you know those spreads have widened and and we're able to pick up um uh good solid muni closed end funds at, at double digit discounts um you know I expect we'll we'll have them in our portfolio for at least several quarters um you know all of that will depend on how how quickly those those discounts narrow um but in the meantime we're also getting you know elevated uh you know distributions you know from the the closed end funds so um with that being said I'll I'll stop right there and um give you give uh, open it up for for questions. Yeah, and I think for the questions um what I'll ask you to do it, your lines are unmuted but if you could hit star 5 it'll show up on my system that you are looking to ask a question and then I can call on you uh then I can call on you directly. So before I uh, open it up to everybody else's questions, Darren, I mean, you talked a little bit about the spreads. I mean, muni treasury ratios, to the best of my knowledge, have, have they ever been anywhere near this? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there have been there there have been a couple times when you know they have, um, you know, it, but it, it's typically not something that lasts for long. Um, you know, what we're seeing is. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, or certainly since the the, the tax cuts were were um, uh, were put in place, what was that in 2016? Or I guess that would have been what 2017 or, or whatever when they or no, that was 2018 when when the big Trump tax cuts were were went into effect. You know, we, we saw the the spreads you know start to develop there, where all of a sudden you know munis kind of lost some of their luster. Um, because a lot of people, you know, their their tax rates weren't as high, and so we we saw, um, you know, maybe a, a little bit of a change in the character. So a lot of times, it's you know, the the spreads are certainly influenced by the the tax rates and and especially the the highest marginal tax rates. And so you know, we've seen, um, you know, a, a couple of times even over the last couple of years where, you know, muni interest rates are actually, you know as high or, or higher as 
you know, a similarly um, a, a similar um, treasuries, and and so that's it's an unusual scenario. I think it's I think it still presents an opportunity, um, you know, for especially those in in a higher income tax bracket, um, and um, you know, I, and you know, if if it stays that way, great. You know, <laughs> if, I'd, I'd certainly uh, still choose you know tax free income versus taxable income, and and frankly, uh, you know, I, I think most of these municipalities. Um, uh, actually, I would say probably all these municipalities, with the you know maybe the exception of uh, uh, a couple, um, you know, have better financial conditions than than our federal government. So, um, you know, they don't have the ability to print money, but they can certainly uh, you know tax and, and, and raise revenues, um, you know, if they so choose. That's great. No, I appreciate that. So let me at this point open it up to uh, the dial-in audience to see what questions we might have. Uh, Hi, yes, I have a question. 214 area code, um, Dallas, Texas, starting with 8283, I believe you're speaking. Uh, yes, that's uh, me, Corby Hankins. And uh, I'd like to ask, uh, you know, with, with interest rates being where they are uh, in a closed-end strategy, are, are you using leverage? Um, yes, yeah, so some of the closed-end funds do incorporate leverage, um, and so you know that, that's you know one of the the opportunities as, as part of the reason why you know we don't just you know sit in closed-end funds. You know, even though over the long term they have to have they they tend to have better performance. Um, part of that is is because of the leverage, but then you know if if, if you're if you, let's say if the fund is selling at par and you experience what we experienced in March, you know they they they, they can take a big hit, and so you know that's why we're we're more opportunistic, um, and we you know we we move out of them when the discounts narrow, and we move back in when, uh, when the discounts are wide, um, because that leverage can certainly magnify the the movements when when there's disruption in the markets. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, Darren. Typically, the reason to apply leverage isn't necessarily just to make an aggressive bet on prices of municipal bonds. It's to borrow at very, very attractive short-term rates to capture the spread. Isn't that typically the motivation? Oh, a absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're they're not they're not taking crazy risk. I mean, and you know, I I don't think. I mean, I I don't. I've personally, I've never seen you know one of these muni funds like blow up. You know, like we're we're all of a sudden. I mean, you you've, you've seen that. Let's say in. Um, if if you look at uh the you know the closed end funds that that are in like uh, master limited partnerships you know some of those have just they they've really gotten destroyed because they 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 got into situations where those securities fell so much they were in they did have forced liquidations because they they still have to follow the the 40 act uh leverage requirements which which allow you know don't allow them to be over you know i think it's 50% levered or, or whatever it is and so you know if if the securities fall, it's basically a mark-to-market -market thing where, you know, even if it's just a temporary fall in the price of the securities beyond a certain level, it does force them to liquidate. But, you know, I've, I've never seen that happen uh, in, in the muni bond uh, closed-end fund space. And so most of the funds, you know, maintain a, a fairly low and, and prudent level of of leverage, um, and and some of them don't use any at all, and so you know that's that's a factor that we look at very closely. You know, we 
we, we tend to avoid the higher levered um, uni bond funds, except for very you know rare exceptions. You know those are the ones that we're certainly more cautious about utilizing. But you know if you can pick them up at a at a in a in a period of distress, then you know you can make you know 20 or 30 percent um, you know in a in a fairly short period of time uh, in in some of those situations. Yeah, potentially yeah, allowing you to be very optimistic. It, exactly. Exactly. Corby, do you have a follow-on question? No, I was going to say very good. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Um, three three one seven area code. I think that's Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. Ends in one two eight eight. Were you? Uh, did you volunteer a question when we? Uh, yes. Yeah, I have, I do have a question. Uh, thanks for the presentation today. Uh, sounds really really good. As a matter of fact, this sounds like exactly what I need for a number of my clients. But uh, what I really need to know is what is the minimum investment? You know, I've looked at a number of these strategies from the muni space that have very impressive track records if they've utilized leverage or anything like that. But the minimums on those have been extremely high, and not all my clients are Jeff Bezos. As a matter of fact, uh, none of my clients are Jeff Bezos. So can you talk a little bit about the minimum to invest in the strategy for individuals, and is there a difference between individuals and institutions? Um, yeah, we, we you know our minimums are you know at least I would I would think they're fairly low. Um, you know we have a, a stated um, and part of it depends on you know you, you can access through a number of different platforms you know whether it's directly or, or, or through you know the various platforms that exist. But um, you know we we typically require twenty five thousand is, is our our stated minimum for the strategy. But the reality is now that now that most platforms, you know, especially the brokerage firms, are, um, you know, commissions are going away, so you know, it makes it yeah. easier. So you know, the, the reality is, from a practical standpoint, you know, you know, if somebody has less than that, it, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, possible to have less than that. I, I don't, I don't know if it's practical for for you as an advisor, but but it's certainly, um, you know, I would say anything over twenty five. Thousand is is uh, you know a, a, a fairly uh, good position to be in. No, that's great. I mean, I was you know I was looking at more. I, some of the managers that I've uh, spoke to or that have reached out to me, you know, they go they take all this time to tell a great story, just like you've done. And again, you did an excellent job. I appreciate your time. But then when it turns around, ask them about a minimum. They're looking at million dollar plus minimums for clients. So when I'm diversifying my clients' portfolios. Unless I have a client with $10 million in assets with me for proper diversification, you know, typically it excludes that manager right away, so the whole conversation gets wasted. So, 25,000 is actually well below what I expected you to say. So that's not a problem at all. It'd be well above that. In most cases, it would be a minimum of probably 50 to 100,000. But you know, I know just the managers I've spoke to have been. 250, 500, a million. So uh, definitely uh, answered it with what I wanted to hear. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, that's, that's one of the the reasons too. You know, when we designed this strategy, you know, we were in the same boat. You know, I I, I have a retail practice. <laughs> you know, I have you know, most of my clients. Very few of my clients would would even have the the amount allocated to communities where we could build a, you know, and where it made sense to build a, a portfolio of, of individual. Um, muni securities. What we found is, is we could get better returns for them by doing it this way, and it was available to all of our clients. You know, they, they didn't have to have 
millions of dollars, you know, to put 500,000 in a in a muni, you know, a, a, a muni strategy, you know, with with individual bonds, and so uh, it makes it accessible to to any client that um, you know has a, a higher income level, um, or or even in a situation like now, even if they don't, you know, we're, I'm putting some clients that you know where the the tax advantages aren't aren't even important to them right now, but just because the the return opportunity is 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 unusually high for munis, you know, is where you know there are situations where I would even use it in a in, you know for a client that that wouldn't even benefit from the tax free income. Thanks, Dan. Um, let me let me open it back up and see if there's any additional questions. Okay, it doesn't sound like there are, Dan. I really appreciate you getting on with us today and, and sharing your thoughts on this strategy and the muni market and you know how you've had such success generating high income and delivering good total returns. I appreciate everybody for taking uh, a half hour out of your day to uh, to hear us out here, and I look forward to catching up with you in the days to come and getting your feedback on, on what we just went through. So with that, we'll end the call. Thank you very much, everybody. Look forward to talking again soon. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Yep, you're welcome.